0: Chapter
1: one, take two. Two. Nice. Nice.
0: She talked dirty to Jimmy because she knew it helped to make him hard. If he'd been drinking all night and couldn't get it up, he'd turn on her so fast she'd be reeling. One minute, everything would be fine, and the next second, the air all around him would be set on fire from the fury of whatever was inside him. When this happened, either he'd start to slap her, or she'd have to start telling him how much she wanted him inside her. At least he'd have something to do with his anger when Jillian told him that she wanted him to fuck her all night. She wanted him so much she'd do anything. He could make her do anything. And didn't he have a perfect right to be angry and do whatever he pleased? Wasn't she so bad she needed to be punished? And only he could do it? He could do it right? Talk and violence always turned Jimmy on, and so Jillian always started talking right away. She was smart enough to get him hard fast to talk nasty and suck his dick before he started to get really mad. He'd fuck her then, but he could be mean about it, and selfish too, and he liked it when she cried. When she cried, he knew he had won, and for some reason, that was important to him. He didn't seem to know he'd won from the start when she first saw him, when she first looked into his eyes. As soon as they were done with sex, Jimmy would be nice to her again, and it was worth almost anything to have him when he was that way. When he was feeling all right and didn't have anything to prove, he was the man she'd fallen so hard for. He was the one who could make nearly any woman believe whatever he wanted. It's easy to forget what you do in the dark, if you need to. Gillian knew that other women thought she was lucky, and she agreed with them. She'd gotten confused, that's what had happened. She'd started to accept that love had to be like this, and in a way she was right. Because with Jimmy, that's the way it did have to be. Jillian was so used to having someone get her down on her hands and knees first thing. She was so ready to be struck and then told she'd better suck hard that she couldn't believe Ben was spending this much time kissing her. All this kissing was making her crazy. It was reminding her of what she could feel and how it could be when you wanted someone as much as he wanted you. Ben was about as different from Jimmy as anyone could be. He wasn't interested in making anyone cry. Then sweet talking her afterward the way Jimmy used to, and he didn't need any help the way Jimmy always did. By the time Ben pulled her panties off, Jillian was completely weak in the knees. She didn't give a damn about going into the bedroom. She wanted it there. She wanted it now. She no longer had to debate the possibility of being with Ben Fry. This relationship had already happened. She'd walked straight into it, and she wasn't about to start walking away. They made love for as long as they could, right there in the hallway. And then they went to Bed's bed and slept for hours, as though they'd been drugged. As they were falling asleep, Jillian could have sworn she heard Ben say fate, as if they were meant to be together from the start, and every single thing they'd ever done in their lives had been leading to this moment. Right. If you thought that way, you could fall asleep without any regret. You could put your whole life in place, with all the sadness and the sorrow, and still feel that at last that you had everything you ever wanted. In spite of the lousy odds and all the wrong turns, you might actually discover that you were the one who'd won. When Gillian woke, it was evening and the room was dark, except for something that appeared to be a white cloud poised at the foot of the bed. Jillian wondered if she was dreaming, if perhaps she'd risen out of her body to float above herself and the bed she'd been sharing with Ben Fry. But when she pinched herself, it hurt. This was still her, all right. She ran her hand along Ben's back just to make certain he was real, too. In fact, He was real enough to startle her. His muscles and his skin and the heat from his sleeping body made her want him all over again, and she felt foolish, like a schoolgirl who doesn't stop to consider any consequences. Jillian sat up, the white sheet pulled around her and found that the cloud at the foot of the bed was nothing more than Ben's pet rabbit, Buddy, who hopped into her lap. Only a few weeks ago, Jilly had been out in the Sonoran desert, her hands over her ears as Jimmy and two of his friends shot prairie dogs. They killed 13 of them and Jillian had thought it was terrible luck. She'd gotten shaky and pale, too upset to hide it. Luckily, Jimmy was in a great mood since he'd bagged more prairie dogs than his pals had, shooting eight, if you include the two babies. He came over and put his arms round Jillian. When he looked at her in this way, she understood why she'd been so drawn to him and why she was still. He could make it seem as though you were the only person in the universe. A bomb could fall, lightning could strike. He simply would not take his eyes off you. The only good rodent is a dead rodent. Jimmy had told her. He smelled of cigarettes and heat and was just about as alive as a human being could be. Trust me on this. When you see one, shoot to kill. Jimmy would have gotten a good laugh catching her in bed with a rodent. Jillian pushed the rabbit away, then got up and found her way to the kitchen for a glass of water. She was disoriented and confused. She didn't know what she was doing in Ben's house, although it was surprisingly comfortable, with nice old pine furniture and shelves filled with books. Most of the men Jillian had been involved with had avoided the kitchen. Some hadn't even seemed to be aware that their own houses had such rooms, complete with stoves and sinks. But here the kitchen was well used. A weathered pine table was piled high with science textbooks and menus from Chinese restaurants. And when she looked, Jillian discovered there was actually food in the refrigerator. Several casserole pans of lasagna and broccoli with cheese souffle, a carton of milk, cold cuts, bottled water, bunches of carrots— Right before they had to leave Tuscan in such a hurry, there was nothing in the refrigerator but six packs of Budweiser and Diet Coke. One package of frozen burritos was wedged way in the back near the ice trays, but anything left in their freezer always defrosted, then refroze and was better left alone. Jillian got herself a bottle of fancy water, and when she turned, she saw that the rabbit had followed her. "'Go away,' she told him, but he wouldn't. Buddy had taken to Jillian in a major way. He thumped his leg the way rabbits in love always do. He paid no attention to her frown or the fact that she waved her hands at him, as if he were a cat to be shooed away. He trailed behind her into the living room. When Jillian stopped, Buddy sat down on the rug and looked up at her. "'You quit this right now,' Jillian said. She wagged her finger and glared at him, but Buddy stayed where he was. He had big brown eyes that were rimmed with pink. He looked serious and dignified, even when he washed his paws with his tongue. "'You're just a rodent,' Jillian told him. "'That's all you are.' Jillian felt like crying. And why shouldn't she? She could never live up to Ben's version of her. She had a whole secret, horrible past to hide. She used to fuck men and park cars just to prove she didn't give a damn. She used to count her conquests and laugh. She sat on the couch that Ben had ordered from a catalog when his old one became threadbare. It was a really nice couch made out of some plum-colored corduroy fabric, just the kind of couch Jillian would have spotted in a magazine and wanted for herself if she'd had a house or money or even a permanent address to which she could have catalogs and magazines mailed? She wasn't even certain she could be in a normal relationship. What if she got tired of someone's being nice to her? What if she couldn't make him happy? What if Jimmy had been right and she'd asked to be hit? Maybe not out loud, but in some nameless way she wasn't aware of. What if she... What if he'd fixed it so she actually needed it now? The rabbit hopped over and sat at her feet. I'm fucked up, Jillian told him. She curled up on the couch and wept, but even that didn't scare the rabbit away. Buddy had spent a great deal of time at the children's ward at the hospital over on the turnpike. Every Saturday during Ben's magic act, he was pulled out of a hat that was old and smelled of alfalfa and sweat. Buddy was used to bright lights and people crying, and he was always well-behaved. He had never once bitten a child, not even when he'd been poked or teased. Now he rose onto his back legs and balanced carefully, just as he'd been taught. "'Don't try to cheer me up,' Jillian said." But all the same, he did. By the time Ben came out of the bedroom, Jillian was sitting on the floor with Buddy, feeding him some seedless grapes. This is one smart character, Jillian said. The sheet she'd taken from the bed was wrapped round her carelessly, and her hair was sticking out like a halo. She felt calmer now, and lighter than she had for quite a while. Why, he can put a floor lamp on just by jumping on the switch. He can hold this bottle of water between his paws and drink some without spilling a drop. No one had No one who hadn't seen it would believe it. Next thing I know, you'll tell me he's litter-trained like a cat. He is. Jillian scooped the rabbit into her arms. All the while Ben had been sleeping, she'd been dissecting her past. Now, she was through with it. She was not going to let that little girl sitting on the dusty back steps of her aunt's kitchen control her. She was not going to let that idiot who'd gotten herself entangled with Jimmy rule her life. Buddy is probably the most intelligent bunny in the entire country. He's so smart that he'll probably ask me over for dinner tomorrow night.
1: Thanks for reading that section, Brie. I really want to know why you chose it.
0: Well, it's not in the film. The entire plot with Jillian and Ben Fry is cut out. And I think it's a shame because it's a really important narrative. Mm. Jillian Mm -hmm. goes from being someone who who believes that she deserves... To be abused to someone who understands that she deserves
1: love. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I love that. You really
0: see Jillian's growth. You see both of their growth more significantly, I think, in the book than you do in the film.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, We'll get into that. Uh, Kia ora koutou, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chapter 1, Take 2, the podcast where we read a book, watch the film, and then discuss the adaptation. My name is Maddie. My name is Brianna. And this episode, we are covering (laughs) Practical Magic, written by Alice Hoffman in 1995, uh, and the film was adapted in 1998 only three.
0: You and I were just wee bubbers. Wee bubbers only two
1: years old. Yet we are... D- 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 Don't know why I bit... an old lady voice. A little bit young for reading such books. Oh, indeed. It has a lot of F words in it. It does? Mm. Uh, directed by Griffin Doon in the 1998 uh, film. The film had a budget of $75 million, which... Mm. Seems like a lot. That's a lot, especially in 1998. Mm. Well, I guess there was quite a bit of CGI
0: since the special effects and yeah, stuff.
1: Yeah, there was, there was. But unfortunately, worldwide, it only grossed uh, $46.7 So I
0: feel like this is one of those films, like Princess Bride, that wasn't appreciated until later. I
1: totally agree with you. Because I
0: feel like everyone I know
1: now is like, Practical Magic, it's a classic. Yeah, it is a classic. It absolutely, I mean, it's a star-studded cast. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that you're absolutely right that the book has a lot more growth and development and there are a lot of storylines that are in there that aren't in the film. Mm. The film is quite different. Like yeah, it is. it's like, super different. I think they're it's real-
0: different and yet not.
1: Yeah, the movie definitely misses out a lot of storylines that are in the book. Uh, in the film, it f- seems like it's focusing more on the relationship between women in general and particularly Sally and the community that they live in because she never moves away like she does in the book. Whereas in the book, it's about... This, the relationship between the sisters, like the aunts, um, Sally and Gillian, and then Sally's two daughters. Um, so it's really, it is really different. Yeah. Um, but how do you want to start? Where do you want to, how do you want to go into this episode? We've got to give our facts. Yeah, we've got to give our facts. But we also got to give the summary. So I gave some oh, okay. facts about the, I'll, I'll finish the facts since I already started them. Uh, yeah, the film was released in 1998. Um, a really star-studded cast, so Sandra Bullock... Plays Sally Owens, who is the older sister. I think it really crushes the role. Um, Nicole Kidman is Gillian Owens. Those two are sisters. Um, Stockard Channing, did not realize that was her name. She's um, she is. she's Rizzo from Greece. Yeah, she's she's awesome. Classic. Um, plays Aunt Frances. Aunt Jet is played by Diana Weist. Who? Where's? I think it's Weist. I think it's Weist.
0: I'm pretty sure it's Weist.
1: I'm pretty sure she's also in The Tenth Kingdom, and I loved her in that. Um, Goran Visnik, Vis mm. Yes? Visnik. Visnik uh, is Jimmy Angelov, um, who... Jimmy's a bad guy. Jimmy gets murdered uh, twice in the movie, just once in the book. Not... No, actually, I feel like three times in the movie. <laughs> yes, but actually isn't even murdered in the book. No, he's not. He dies of other reasons. Um, Aiden Quinn plays Gary Hallett um Kylie oh yes 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 Maria Owens Caprice Benedette, Um, and the two daughters of oh that's Sally. oh my God that is her she's so pretty. Camilla Bell plays Sally at age 11 hmm. who is so pretty. Um, and there's a lot of characters who are missing so the two daughters of Sally um what are their names?
0: Uh, Antonia and Kylie.
1: They grow up, and Antonia is sixteen, seventeen, hmm. and Kylie is thirteen yeah. in the book. And so we see them have boyfriends. Shall I uh, tell a summary? Yes, I just wanted to say there's no queer characters. Um,
0: there are no queer characters.
1: Just sorry. a bit, just a bit, bit, bit lame. Nineties. Um, yeah, but the IMDb score six point two out of ten, and with um. Rotten Tomatoes, it's 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 like you said before, like, the scores aren't very kind. It's 21% on the what? Tomato, but, but a 73% with audience score. Ah, oh, screw the critics, they don't know anything. No, they really don't. And, like, it is absolutely a classic. But, no, please, sorry, give us a summary of Practical Magic.
0: Okay, so I am going to start with, like, a very broad overview of the book slash movie. And it's going to be mostly movie and then I'll diverge to where it changes in the book so we meet the Owens sisters Jillian and Sally Jillian is the one that is played by Nicole Kidman and Sally is the one that is played by uh, Sandra Bullock and they um, their parents have just died and so they have in the book they die in a fire yeah and so um, they go to live with their aunts who are notorious witches in Massachusetts Massachusetts yeah, Massachusetts. Um, and they grow up and Sally hates being different. Uh, she always wants to lead a normal life. She's yeah. the only one who has bedtimes and does their homework and it makes, makes sure healthy they eat vegetables yeah, right. And stuff like that. And she becomes a vegetarian
1: as well. Yep, yeah, because they see one of the um, spells and that she hates that a dove like, is being punctured yeah. in the heart. And she's just like, I'm a vegetarian now. I'll pass.
0: Yeah. Um, and Sally or um, uh, Jillian is, she wants to get out of the small town. Like yeah. she's just that classic she's that teenager, rebel like, child. I need, yeah, very re- rebellious and very, very. Um, I wouldn't call her a slut, but I, you know, dates around a
1: lot. Um, I wouldn't. Use you wouldn't her. call anyone a slut? No, I wouldn't. No, it's not my. It's not my. She. Um, enjoys, she does, run away. She's very sexually confident.
0: Yeah. She does run away with a boy and they oh, are separate for a number
1: of years. And then she gets married in the novel overall three t- four, four times. times. Four times. Yeah. And Fourth Sally time's charm.
0: marries Michael. Yeah. And then the Death Beetle shows up and he yeah. dies. That's so sad. Yeah. And she really, really struggles initially for two years. She
1: grieves and doesn't one really year. get out of bed. One year she doesn't get out of bed. Is it one year? A whole year she doesn't get out of bed. Okay uh and then she calls it her lost year later on the book right
0: and then um jillian calls her every night every week on thursday
1: um, so at like 11 p.m or something yeah like every every
0: week which is real cute yeah
1: for that whole year yeah for that whole year
0: yeah um and then she slowly kind of comes out of it and they decide she decides to move her kids to a new town um which doesn't happen in the film obviously
1: mm. uh but then and the children are even younger when michael dies
0: yeah, they were quite young. They're
1: like four and one or something, like little.
0: Yeah. Um, and the four-year-old's like, I hate you. She regret- gains the normal life that she had when she was with Michael, um, establishes herself in the community, works at the local school, mm. um, and everything is going fairly okay. You know, Antonia is a little bit rebellious.
1: Mm. Um, Too good looking for her own good. Yeah, Kylie's is- a
0: little bit um, of a geek little bit of an introvert yeah not not necessarily well she's just
1: awkward she's over six feet tall and she's only 13
0: yeah yeah um and then very similar she doesn't get a distress signal from um from jillian 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 just shows up with
1: the dead body already in the car yeah but Uh, sally does send something bad coming
0: yeah she does send something bad coming yeah
1: Um, but Jillian arrives with Jimmy dead in the the car
0: and she thinks she's accidentally been overdosing him with, uh, Bellatona. but it's actually nightshade in the book.
1: Yes. Nightshade in the book. Correct. And, uh, spoiler alert for now and forever. Um, she didn't. He obviously, he had a very unhealthy, excuse me, he had a very unhealthy lifestyle. So whether the smoking or drinking killed him at at a gas station, but she assumed She'd killed him, which is why she doesn't go to the police when he dies. Um, mm. So she panics and shows up at Jillian's house. Um, and they, and bury they, do, and the they do bury him in the yard. And the, but it's and-
0: lilacs instead of roses that grow. Yeah. And the whole process of his body kind of haunting them happens over months and months and months. Oh,
1: years. Is it years? I mean, they go through more than four seasons, so it has to be. Yeah. Maybe it's like a year.
0: Yeah. Anyway. And then... It's a long time. Um, There's a lot of tension between them because... Sally has always been like the responsible one, and Jillian's always been the one that's messed up. And I think Jillian, like their relationship, feeds into the insecurities and the mistakes that each other are making. Mm. You know, Sally had to grow up because her parents died young, and she had to take care of everything because they didn't. She didn't. They didn't have a real adult in the house. Yeah,
1: the aunts. You know, the film's very similar in the way that you know they'd eat chocolate cake, and yeah. you know there weren't rules, there weren't bedtimes, there wasn't someone making sure you brushed your teeth. So Sally kind of took on that parenting role. Um, and Sally's also really annoyed when Jillian shows up because she's spent this whole time like cultivating this really normal, normal life. life,
0: and now it's going to be. Kind and, her, of and her daughters
1: down. kind of mock her for it because you know every thanks, every break, once a year they right go, before school starts they go back to the aunts, yeah. and you know the girls love the, they're not grandchildren, but they kind of are like grandchildren with the aunts, uh, and they go back and visit, and they kind of mock their mum for wanting like the white picket fence life. Hmm. But they've had the benefit of both, yeah. So they, they don't, don't know the
0: bullying yeah. that they dealt with growing up, exactly.
1: Um, and that's you know, and that's another thing that's missing. Like the bullying happens, but Jillian has really short hair, and the whole reason for that was that a boy was mean to her when she was like three or four and put something in her hair, so they had to cut it short. She also sells her hair. That's right. She sells her hair. And it doesn't grow back. No, it does. No, it doesn't. She just likes it short. No, no matter what she did, it wouldn't grow back. She tried putting all these things in it. No, oh, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, she still looks amazing. We're
0: we're stuck on the summary.
1: We are stuck on the summary, but she's thirty six.
0: Okay, so um, then Jillian meets Ben Fry, and things are going quite good, um, except for that. You know, there's all these weird things, and Antonio Antonio keeps talking
1: about this man that she sees in the car. Kylie. Is it Kylie? Yep, the younger one. It's definitely Kylie. It's the youngest. Alright. It's not Antonia. Because Kylie's the one in in tune with everyone's feelings. She sees the colours around everyone. Okay. It's not Antonia.
0: Kylie keeps seeing this man in the garden that no one else can see. I swear to God, it's Antonia. It's not. I'll Google it, but keep talking. Um, And... Then Gary Hallett shows up and a lot of the rest of it happens in a very similar way. Except they don't get the women of the town to help with dealing with the body. They just get their aunts. And they do dissolve it. Uh, But it's not like a poltergeist situation. No. You're right. It's
1: Kylie. Yeah, I know. Because it's the youngest. The youngest is seen as, like, the more sensitive. That's what it's all about. (laughs) It's not really the same, though, because... Well, it is in a sense that
0: Gary Hallett shows up and... um, he has been reading her letter. That's why he knows so much about them. And yeah. um, Sally can't
1: lie to him. And Yeah, but it's really different in the sense that, um, like, Jimmy doesn't kidnap Jillian. They're driving cross-country because... Yeah, I'm talking about from this point on. That's fine, but I'm adding in some other things that are different. Well,
0: we'll get to the difference. This is just a but summary. But they also kill him again. All right, fine. Okay. Fine. So, because it's too hard to tell all yeah. the differences in the summary. Why are you acting like this is season one, honey? Get in line.
1: Whatever.
0: <laughs> so how would you rate the adaptation, to film with the film as an adaptation of the book? Six out of ten. Six out of ten? Yeah. I feel like it's pretty high. They're definitely related. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I will go five out of ten.
1: That's not that much lower than mine. Mine was such a big deal. Six is
0: above 50%, though.
1: I think it is about fifty percent.
0: Okay. Okay, so differences. Major differences. Major differences. So, um, okay. I think one of the biggest differences for me that really bothered me is that the magic in the book is very much like practical magic.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I thought about that a lot. Like it could be magic. Yep. Or it might not be. 100%. Like, there's so, never...
0: It's never really confirmed in the book whether or not the magic is real. Yeah. So,
1: if you've only seen the film... Like, it could film, be coincidence. Yeah. If you've only seen the film, you will have seen, like, actual magic. magic. So, like...
0: A, Harry Potter stuff. A
1: spoon is stirred by itself, for example, and, like, Sally's name is put at the head of the ringing phone tree or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's just, like... It happened by magic. Whereas in the book, nothing like that happens. Like, it's all very much like... A, a body is
0: risen from the dead.
1: What? In the movie.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's not in the book. So in the book, it's much more about, like, herbs and belief and, like, the power of...
0: Superstition. And thinking. Yeah. yeah, And,
1: like, it's it's nothing that is as concrete as, like, a spoon stirring itself in a cup. Yeah. It's not like that. It's it's literally <laughs> practical magic. And I'm really curious yeah. if Ella, Alf, the writer, if she... Alice Hoffman. Yeah. I wonder yep. if she's related to Dustin Hoffman. Oh, I don't know. I wonder if she liked the adaptation for that reason, because the magic in the film is much more like Hollywood magic compared to Practical Magic, which is the title of the book.
0: I don't know. Like, I definitely feel like Practical Magic got the women thing right totally. both, in both in both sentences yep. like it's definitely a woman's teeth
1: and I wonder if why in 1998 that's why it didn't do as well as it did now like rewatching that, I'm like that's a great movie like it's a good movie
0: it's so good it's wholesome yeah like
1: we've seen and it's got some really fun dancing scenes like yeah. at least two and some solid
0: filmmaking
1: I really enjoy the uh yeah um the margarita scene yeah and some that's so fun. Uh, and some really good acting. Like there's the scene with um, sun, the as Sandra well. Bullock and the guy who plays Gary, and she's just talked about how she wished for him and made a man that didn't exist, which isn't in the book book at all. But she does talk about like in the book in the movie, it's the same where she's like, I'm never gonna fall in love, um, but then she's like. She falls in love with Michael, like, hardcore. And he's a super nice guy. And then he dies. And Gary is, like, a super nice guy. And she only has those two. And And her
0: aunts do cast a spell to get Gary to come back in the book for Thanksgiving.
1: Do they? Yeah. Mm. Anyway. um, Gary walks away. And Sandra Bullock is just kind of standing there. And then he turns. Gary turns and says, I wish for you too. And, her, like, she just... She just bursts into tears and it's just like, it's such good acting. She's just like, yeah. I want to feel like I can love again, but I was so destroyed when my husband died. And she's like, the curse, the curse on all the Owens women, all that jazz.
0: Uh, there's some really beautiful lines in the film. There are all some really beautiful lines in the book. Yeah, There were so many times when I was reading the book when I was like, yes, that's exactly how i feel. Mm. Um this one from the film, i think if you lifted my heart to your ear you'd hear the ocean.
1: Amazing.
0: <laughs> what a line. And then yeah. also, i dream of a love that even time would lie down and be still for.
1: Yeah. Stunning. That's a real that's a real good one.
0: Yes. And i, I feel that.
1: I hardcore feel that line like for me I feel like when I'm my happiest, my most content is waking up in the morning next to Brianna and we are warm and we have the cover of sleep still on us. And I just wish that that those moments could last forever without you thinking, okay, I have to get up. We have things we need to do today. Like, no matter how many days you could take off in bunny ears because, you know, no one has to earn to be alive. But it's like, at the end of the day, you've got... Food you need to pay for, a mortgage, responsibilities. But in those moments, you're like, I just wish that time could drag on. Like, this moment could last forever.
0: Mm. Uh, what are What is one thing from the book, or two things, what's something from the book that you really missed seeing come to life in the film?
1: I really missed um, the daughters growing up. I mm. really loved the dynamic between the aunts and Sally and Jillian and then um, Kylie and Antonia and I I'm sad that like the daughters are young and but still have a role in the film but I I really enjoyed like you just got more of a timeline and like you said earlier more of a growth of all the characters because of how long like how long a period the book is set and that's mm-hmm. something that I was really sad not to see and also yeah. yeah and I totally agree with you about Ben and Jillian like Jillian it still is a positive ending for her like Letting go and moving on from Jillian and she's symbolically wearing like a white dress, and I noticed that. And she was like walking around patting a cat, and she's like, "Oh, she's embraced her witchiness and also like loving herself as a woman." But her dynamic with Ben is much more realistic because, like, you know, she's been hurt so many times, and it would take a long period and someone's probably to love her for her to feel like she's worthy of that love because it's really hard to go through that process by yourself. And Ben, yeah. and Ben is just such a good guy. Like, and he's—it's really funny because the aunts in the film are much more positive like the ones in the book don't like men um and Ben comes over and charms them with his his own magic like he he's an illusionist and he pulls out flowers from his sleeve and he gives one of the aunts a, a scarf and you know the aunts kind of look at Jillian and they're like don't mess this up and she's just like I'm trying not to um and that's really cool that, that you know they have that there's me, these do, there are positive men that come into the women's lives and I think I, I missed that. Mm. What about you?
0: Um. So one of the things that I think they handled really well in the book was like subtle sexism and subtle feminism in a way that's really empowering. So there's going to be a trigger warning. We'll pop a trigger warning at the beginning as well because uh, we talk about abuse in that first scene but this mm. is another trigger warning so um, I'm about to talk about Potential sexual assault. And uh, there's a scene in the book where Kylie is walking through. Mm. Um, walking down the turnpike.
1: And, this is like the darkest part of the book.
0: Yeah. She's carrying a chocolate cake and a man starts catcalling. And then it progresses to him chasing her. And she does get away. But it's it's horrifying when you're in that position. It is horrifying to be pursued by
1: a man. Mm. Um, and he's like... He's not just kept calling her and, you know, standing still and she's walking past. She's, like, being sprint... Like, she's being hunted.
0: Yeah. Uh, It's a really intense part of the book. But what's really nice about it is that there's always been a bit of a rivalry between her and her sister, Antonia. Mm. Antonia was the firstborn and quite jealous when the baby came into the family. Mm -hmm. And then... um, And then over time, like, Kylie felt quite jealous of Antonia because she got all the intention and she was the pretty one. Um, And the one that all the boys liked and stuff like that. So there's always been kind of um, a rivalry between them. And Kylie finds Antonia after the incident.
1: She runs to Antonia's work.
0: Yeah. And without words and the way that women understand, Antonia knows what's happened. And they're bonded over this incident. And she just looks after her sister.
1: Yeah. And from going forward, like, I don't know, they realize that they have much worse enemies in the world i guess than each yeah. other in a really dark way
0: and there's such there's such a subtlety to that moment because it yeah. explains how mundane in every day near sexual assault or sexual assault or um you know sexual harassment is for women mm, in a way 100%. that it unifies women in a similar way that it does in sex education yes fuck that yeah yeah sorry sorry yes um and it's a really beautiful scene that I missed out on mm. and, and, and just you know that scene, that the whole arc with Jillian's character I really missed. Yeah, 100%. Um, you and I both
1: talked about missing the daughters growing up and like, yeah, yeah. I feel like the movie was poorer for not including that. Like I understand like it's very much especially casting Um, you know superstars like Sandra Bullock and Nicole Kidman like that's where they focus a lot of the time and, and it's you know the difference between Hollywood and literature I totally get that. Um, they could make a second one with the daughters growing up or I don't know, it would again, a mini TV series. Like there are so many books that we cover that like some obviously not, but like this, you could absolutely do it. Like you could do a five episode thing at different stages of their lives. Um, or a film like a little woman with, Mm. you know, characters growing up and cast Florence Pugh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You could definitely remake this, um, today and it would still be incredibly relevant and still be really great for people to see.
0: What did you like about the film?
1: I liked how fun it was. I liked the music and like the dancing sequences. I really enjoy the contrasting of the male characters and the female characters. Like the love that Sally Owens has for her male partners compared to Jillian's. Like I think it shows such a multitude and complexity of different types of women. Um, And yeah, I think for something that, has some really dark moments that are you know more around Jimmy and like his abuse and assault and like him beating up Jillian it's contrasted quite well by the humor mm-hmm. um yeah i think is there anything else that i really liked i don't know some i really some there's something about films that were made in like the late 1990s they just have such a physicalness to them like I really enjoyed the house just seemed so real and solid. And I just, I was looking at the green room and I was like, man, I really want a green room. That's just like a room full of flowers and has all these herbs and stuff like that seemed awesome. And I, yeah, I thought conservatory. Yeah. And I thought, you know, they were sitting, um, and while the film doesn't cover what the book does with, um, Sally moving away, I understand why it was all shot at the one house, but the location was beautiful. And the town that they live in is beautiful, and like the way that they do the sadness with Sally being so distraught when michael dies um I don't know i just i I just really enjoyed it's the visual elements that came to life from the book what they did do the same, I really enjoyed yeah yeah i I also uh... really like the set, the scene where they're putting. The um, star on Jimmy's shoes <laughs> and, and like Sandra Bullock. I'm not even sure if it was like supposed to bit, but she takes a bit out and eats it. And I was like, if that's not scripted, or even if it was, I'm like, that's genius. That's fucking hilarious. I'm <laughs> sorry, that's really funny.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed. There, there's
1: such heart to this film. That's abs- yeah, it's absolutely what it is. It,
0: the chemistry between all the. Women I don't know why it's got so such a low strong. rating. Yeah,
1: I don't like. It's it. really good. Um, I bet it's sexism Probably. Like, it, this film was, for some bizarre reason, too progressive for 1998. All the white heterosexual people. It's too progressive. Positive witchcraft. What is this? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Positive witchcraft.
1: Yeah. Religious America, maybe. I,
0: I in particular, really love the scene where Gillian comes back to look after mm. Sally after
1: Michael dies. Yeah, I love that. Uh, that don't don't get that in the book.
0: And the way that they shot that, showing them staying up all night talking and, like, catching up with each other. And
1: they're only together in the room. Yeah. Like, Jillian is only there. I'm not even sure if she's there for a day or two days, but she's almost there to get, like, Sally out of bed again and then she leaves.
0: Yeah. Uh, And it's really, it's really beautiful. Like, that kind of, it, it really captures that idea of friends or sisters who can spend years apart and then as soon as they're together, it's like nothing changed. Yeah. And I really felt like that. I felt like there was a sense of time and weight in the film that was really good. I felt... It felt lived in. Mm. Um, And the relationships felt real. And, like, the reaction to Midnight Margaritas felt real. And the way that they... The tension, the 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 cyclical build of tension and release in that where they're kind of insulting each other. But everything they're saying is kind of true. And so they're kind of okay with it. And then they they go into hysterics and they kind of very subtly simmer down with that.
1: <laughs> do you know why that happened, mm. though? Mm. What do you mean? Like, do you know what that scene was... What happened in that scene? They were having a good time with the Margaritas. Oh, yeah, and then...
0: Um they sensed there was something with um the, the te- body the tequila the tequila the tequila right. So they
1: realized it was the
0: tequila that they had been that they used to poison yeah
1: but also and obviously so that meant Jimmy had put it there by the front door yeah. but also they were saying things to each other like it was it's what comes up in the book where people just start getting short with each other and it's Jimmy like infecting the household and making it more negative yeah so they start like Saying things to each other that they think but wouldn't say because they're so hurtful, and that's why they they start covering their mouths when they're like yelling at each other, like basically calling Jillian like a slut and yelling at witch and stuff. That they and so they, they they then they go silent, realizing that they've all gone too far, and they're like, "What's just happened? Like, why? Yeah, why has like the Jimmy's tainted the night? Jimmy, don't ever trust. It's anyone. Jimmy
0: Barnes in the book, right? I and mean, then it's Jimmy Angelov in the film." Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. Barnes. So how would you rate the film in and of itself? Like a eight. Yeah? Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. I, I feel like it's like a nine for me. It's yeah. out there as one of like the best rom coms of all time.
1: Wow. Yeah. It's good. It's good and there's a lot of really good storytelling. Mm. Like, yeah, I've probably seen it only two or three times in my life. Um but This is only my second time watching it but no i really liked
0: it it has everything you want out of a fairy tale but it's set in modern-esque times and it's not a fairy tale Mm -hmm. and
1: i really love the scene where the two daughters are helping jillian make some sort of potion to get rid of Mm -hmm. gary
0: i love what they throw in the water yeah that's that's what i'm leading up
1: to so like they're making this uh, potion and Jillian puts it in the syrup and then the girls realize that Gary's the man their mother wrote about when she was a little girl because he can flip pancakes and he's got a green eye and a blue eye and so Jillian puts it on the table and the girls just grab it and then they run to the ocean and not, they don't just tip it out. They throw the whole container. And, and they
0: celebrate. And
1: then they're like, yeah, we did it! And it's super cute. And Jillian's like, what was that? And then Sally, Sandra Bullock, is like, I guess they didn't want to eat that. And I really like that reaction. Because if I had done that as a kid, while it was just a container, like my parents would have gotten really angry. They would yeah. have been like, what is wrong with you? Why mm. did you do that? Whereas Sally's like i guess they didn't want to eat the syrup and she just laughs and like lets the kids have fun and i just i don't know i want to be that kind of parent that's like well that was random but i'm glad it happened you know yeah just kind of let it be
0: i felt like they did such good storytelling with covering such a wide expanse of time i never felt like they spend too little or too long on any particular part of the story uh obviously sandra Bullock and nicole kidman are enigmatic they're incredible there's they're still something friends about them today.
1: i googled it cuz i wanted to know because i want them to still be friends
0: like i kind of feel like sandra bullock plays basically the same character in every film she's in
1: but we love that character yes yes
0: yeah. like, i she totally does agree it with it so well yeah I there's something about her and that mixture of she's just like good charming. humor yeah and sadness in her eyes and like delightful. she's carried something yeah
1: she has kind of a tomboyish to it even in this film which is very feminine she's very feminine she looks incredibly young yeah, she's, she's a babe she's 34 and she's like stick thin like she just looks tiny in the 90s yeah it's such a early charmed thing, like yeah. tiny these tiny women. I don't know how they're so tiny. Um you know, I don't I'm not I don't know, it makes it sound like I'm advocating for tinyness, that's not what I meant. But she just looks so young. Uh, but she's thirty four, which is you know, this is five years older than us. Are beautiful in this. Yeah.
0: And her dark hair. Oh, when it's curly, a
1: little bit tussled. And her dark hair compared to like Nicole Kidman's like redder hair. Yeah. Like I just think they were cast really well. They were. Nicole Kidman's always cast as that kind of more sexual character which I think is really interesting. Like it's the same in Moulin Rouge and kind of in Australia with Hugh Jackman. Like her character's always very sexual in those films that I've listed. I'm sure there are ones where that's not the case. Mm. But I wonder why. Because like she does it very well. Uh, but I'm sure...
0: I really love her body language, the way she's acting. Like, it's slightly different to other things that I've seen. Nicole Kidman. Yeah. Like, I feel like she's really put on a particular ear mm. for the character of Jillian. That's a little bit flighty. Mm. I really like... like the... the way that she carries herself. Like, yeah. she's not totally tethered. Yeah.
1: When they do the scene... In the classroom when the phone tree is being, like... I think the dynamic between the two of them is so fun. Yeah, it is. They're like, I didn't do that. And they're like, oh, I definitely did that. Like, they're talking about magic and they're just giggling like they're two young uh, girls in a classroom. And it's just so cute. It's so cute. Yeah. They've got great chemistry.
0: Should we talk about the ending? Because the ending was quite different.
1: Yeah, the ending's really different, so... Oh, and you wanted to talk about the murder as well. (sighs) Well, it's just really different. So, in the book... It's an accident Jillian, and it's not even, it doesn't even And happen. Jillian's not even leaving Jimmy. Like, they're just yeah. driving cross-country because um, he's still an abusive, like, terrible human being. Um, and, and he didn't
0: murder anyone, women outright. He just sold bad drugs that he knew were bad. Yeah,
1: so he sold a, a university student something that he said was something, but it was actually, like, some sort of rattlesnake egg or something from the Arizona desert. And the teenager dies, of course they do, because it, you shouldn't eat that. But um, well, they don't
0: dose it correctly because they don't know what it is.
1: No, but also, yes. Yeah. But, but also, no one should be eating it. Yeah. Jimmy shouldn't have sold it. He's a bad guy. Um, and he dies at, like, a rest stop or something. And Jillian freaks out and assumes that her nightshade, her small doses of nightshade to put him to sleep because he's an abusive partner, um, is what does it. And it's not. And then she drives over. And they never try to bring him back to life. Like, that's not a plot line at all. And again, it goes back to, like, the book is much more literally practical magic it's not like sorcery or witchcraft that's like oh we can bring him back to life because we put some um what is it whipped cream on his chest (laughs) uh and so it's just really different and and then they bury him in the backyard and that's very similar but yes the endings are very different um Jillian marries Ben at the end of the book Mm. um and it's, it's and they just
0: pour a potion over the body yeah And it dissolves the bones and stuff so they can't, that he can't come back. Yeah.
1: All that happens is that they notice all this bad karma keeps happening and I'm not sure what the last straw is, but finally Sally calls the aunts and the aunts leave their house, which is a really big deal. Yeah. Um, And they come and they make a potion and they tip it over the grave and they dissolve the body and then they plant stones around it to make like the stones are, uh, what are they for?
0: They were the same stones that were used in the building of the house. They're yeah. like blessed or special or something.
1: They're special as like protection. Like they put them yeah. in a circle. Um, and then Jimmy. that that they invite the girls
0: over to have tea parties and their parents won't let them.
1: Yeah, but the girls, the, the young girls know that the stones are special. So they sneak away anyway to have tea yeah. parties there. And they clink their t- teacups and say good luck. Yeah. I think they're good luck stones. Uh, yeah. You go. You you continue. Um. So in the movie, they get they
0: Sandra Bullock Sally's character. Sa- Sandra Bullock's character Sally activates the phone tree and gets all of the women in the community who have been teasing her and just admits that she's a witch. And they kind of joke about her coming out as a witch. And oh yeah, that is funny. They all join together to send the man away, and they bond over the fact that some men are pieces of crap. Absolutely. Uh, and it's a really wholesome scene. Mm.
1: There's a lot of laughter in this movie. Yeah. Considering the amount of trauma yeah. that, that the women go through. They're kind of like, I don't know if they're belittling it or what. But it, I don't know. It's, it's a healthy response, I guess, to laugh. It's, you know, you can laugh or cry. Either, either response is fine.
0: Something else I really liked is when um, uh, when Sally's character finds out that Gary Hallett has essentially staged Jimmy's What Which he does m- in the book. Yeah, which he does in the book. the same way. Uh, puts his ring in a fire so that the body could be identified as his but it was really somebody else's body yeah Um. and uh, she turns to Jillian in the film and says what would you do and I think that's a really important moment for Jillian for Sally who's normally the one with the head mm. on the shoulders to ask for Jillian's advice so I thought that was a really nice touch
1: I don't know if Jillian's answer is necessarily the beer. she's like what wouldn't I do for a man that I love and I'm like I don't know
0: but the whole thing is about love and i really like that they quoted the book directly at the end there are some things after all that sally owens knows for certain always throw spilled salt over your left shoulder keep rosemary by your garden gate add pepper to your mashed potatoes plant roses and lavender for luck fall in love whenever you can
1: Yep, yeah. and they Sandra Bullock ends the movie by saying that exact thing and I, I totally agree that it's great that they end the movie the same way that the book ends. Fall in love whenever you can.
0: See and it says well look who's here Jillian says pleased. They did it Sally says with a dove's heart. As soon as he sees Sally Gary stands a scarecrow in a black coat who doesn't know whether or not he should wave. They did not Jillian says to Sally they didn't have anything to do with it. But Sally doesn't care if Jillian phoned Gary last week and asked what on earth he was waiting for. It doesn't matter if he's had the aunt's addre- address folded into his coat pocket ever since that phone call. By the time she runs down the bluestone path, it doesn't make a bit of a difference what people think or what they believe. And then it's like, there are some things after all that Sally Owens knows for certain.
1: Yeah.
0: And I just really like that. Fall in love whenever you can, I think is a really beautiful sentiment to finish on the book.
1: I think it's a good sentiment for life. Like, I yeah. think that... Um, Not to get, you know, into it too much. I think we have so many rules and restrictions about our love for friends and, like, our love for romantic partners. And I think we're really hurting ourselves in a lot of ways in our current societal structure. And I think if we were all a bit honest, a bit less jealous, a bit more trusting and a bit more honest with ourselves, we could all live much more fulfilled lives. Not that you don't need multiple partners. That's not what I'm saying. But it's just... To be honest about how you feel. And when you feel an attraction to someone or when you fall in love with someone, it's just like, what a blessing. What, you know, mm. it's so rare that you can meet people that you genuinely connect with. Um,
0: I love love. And I love... I've, I've always, always loved, loved love. love friendship love. Yeah. I love that moment when I realize I really love a friend and yeah. I would do anything for them and they just become part of my family.
1: Absolutely. I really love... And this isn't something that I've appreciated until literally what one or two months ago, Mm -hmm. you know, nearly into my 30s. I'm really starting to understand what friendship means and what I want out of friendship and what I deserve out of friendship. And it's a really odd thing because we have all these, you know, rules and criteria and expectations around romantic love. But I think it's just as important around friendship, not to have expectations and stuff, but just To know what you need out of it. Mm. Like, do you need someone who's going to reach out often? Do you need space? Do you need someone who's going to make plans? Or do you want someone to reach out and make plans to you? Like, it's okay to know what you want and to ask for that. Mm. And to to be given that. Like, I think a lot of us, even if we find something that we want, we don't know. We don't allow ourselves permission to have it. Mm. And I try to be really, like, something that... Sometimes people don't like, but I, I'm really open and honest that if I connect with someone or if I feel something, I'll just say like, I'm really glad that we've become friends or I'm really glad that we've made a connection because I think it's important to tell people that like my mum was saying to me when we called a couple of days ago that three people that she's known in the last three weeks have all died and she's like, life's too short. Um, just enjoy it and, you know, be honest with people and be honest with yourself And it's obviously not all the time. Like some days I, you know, I just don't want to get out of bed. I'm not saying like, it's all like, oh, happiness. But I think life's, it is, it is really short Hmm. and it's okay to ask for what you need.
0: Absolutely. I think sometimes we undervalue things that we've asked for if we received them instead of appreciating that someone's willing to give them to us. Like if I say, I really need you to tell me I'm beautiful and then you tell me I'm beautiful. Mm. But like, well, it doesn't really count because you've said it because I've asked it, not because you were thinking it. Sometimes we all just need that prompt. You know, most of the time we are thinking those things.
1: Absolutely. And I think some people think it's either weakness or they feel too vulnerable to ask for what they need or what they want. But it's just, just you have to sometimes. Just you have to do trust it.
0: that the people in your life are genuine with the way they feel about you.
1: Yeah, and it's o- It's okay to be vulnerable as well. Mm. Like, if you're vulnerable with someone and they cut you or they shut you down, then I think that's a sign that you need to, um, you know, not stop spending time with them, but, you know, choose someone else who might be more careful with your vulnerability.
0: Yeah, for sure. Practical Magic was such a beautiful book and such a beautiful film, and I'm so glad they both exist. I think if you've watched the film and you're curious about the book, definitely pick it yeah, up. Yeah, if it's you enjoyed so the movie, thrilled. definitely read the book. Yeah, I, I think I think that's the thing, right? Like when we talk about um, when we talk about books and whether or not they're good adaptations, um, I think for me. Whether or not something is a good adaptation has a lot to do with...
1: Does it make you want to read the book?
0: Yeah, and if I read the book, will I be just as thrilled? You know what I mean? Sure. Um, or will I be like, oh, Like, if there's a chance that if you love the film, you wouldn't like the book because the book is something different, mm-hmm. then I think that's a problem. Like, if you loved Elle Enchanted because of Elle Enchanted being what Elle Enchanted is... Mm-hmm. You might not love the book for being what the book is because they're very different. They're both very good, yeah, but, but they're very, very different. different. Yeah, uh, you know, and I think I think Practical Magic keeps the heart of Practical Magic, yeah, in its film adaptation, and but so. I agree. I loved the film when I saw it a few years ago. It yeah. wasn't that long ago. It was before I met you, but it wasn't that long ago. I was in university Yeah, it for the first time that I saw it. And I loved it. I loved it so much. And I've wanted to read the book since then. And I finally got to do it with this podcast. I'm so excited. And I'm so glad that the book only made me love the film even more. Yep. Yeah. You know? And I think Absolutely. that that's that connection between them. So I don't hate it. As an adaptation, even though I gave it a five. No, because totally, totally. It does deviate from the plot quite a
1: lot. No, it's you're very um you're very like you make logical calls with those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. I think the book is what if you
0: I would have given it a three
1: if it didn't have the heart. <laughs> if you want to watch sorry, if you watch the movie and you're like, man, I wish I could just like experience this for a bit longer or Yeah, yeah definitely read the book. Like mm. you'll get that out of it. Would you revamp, remake, retire?
0: Ooh, See, so this is hard, right? Because yeah. we have been um, enjoying, deliciously, re-watching the original Charmed, OG Charmed, mm-hmm. um, and we... Got, oh, yeah, it's a really good
1: point. We really got, got point, off baby. to it
0: <laughs> because we decided to watch the
1: remake, and I was so horrified. It was gross. It was so bad. It was like... Painful. I think we watched two episodes, and then we were like, "Let's just watch the original eight seasons."
0: And, the, and, and it's the what I'd rather do right now. I pointed out the subtlety of the feminism. Practical magic is because the feminism in the new Charmed is so like shove it down your throat. It's like, and I am a feminist. I love feminism. I'm a hardcore
1: things, feminist.
0: But feminism is nuanced.
1: Of course it is. Like life is. Yeah. It's not and just I, a woman punching a man in the face, being like, "Shush." Yeah. Your turn is over. Sit down although sit down <laughs> i
0: every time i see a move show like the remake of Charmed or like supergirl i just want to sit down and be I talk to the producers and be like a feminist tv show just requires diverse strong nuanced female characters mm-hmm. and their strength and it was showing directed your characters by a man as well weak.
1: this movie was directed yeah. by a man so it can be done yeah also, I have a it theory. Can be done. This has got nothing to do with this, I was just thinking of directors. But Spider Man into the Spider Verse was directed by three directors, and I have a theory that every time a film is made that it has multiple two or more directors, it's better. And I feel like that is true.
0: Most of the time. We've definitely seen some films that you've been like, like at least once we've seen a film and you've been like, Oh,
1: two directors. What happened there? I know. <laughs> But that's because every other time, it's like... Because when I yeah. saw Spider-Verse and hit three degrees, I was like, yeah, it did, because it's a great movie. Spider-Verse is also very good. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Completely off topic. Uh, we don't say this very often. Mm. Okay. Read, I love I, you.
0: No. Okay. So revamp is they did a good job. Redo it. But like similar plot. It's just like your standard remake. Like... Um,
1: you can't use the same word in the definition of something I know,
0: I know, I know, I know, I know. Revamp, yeah. It's like a reboot. Yeah? It's yeah. like a reboot. Yeah, all right. Yep. Yeah, okay. And okay. then remake is like, no, they did a terrible job. Start again. Try to get it closer to the book. Actually pay attention time. Thank you. This time, thank you. And then um, <laughs> thank you. retire please. is like, it should have never made it into a film in the first place or it's already been done really well. Move on. Let's see some other stuff.
1: Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I've got it too. Okay, ready? Okay, yep. One, two, two three. Remake. Ooh. See, I really liked it, but I I would like something more like the book and updated.
0: Okay, so if we're talking film-wise, yeah. I'm okay with the way that it is. Yeah. If we're talking a TV series, because Practical Magic is part of a larger book series.
1: It should definitely be a TV series. Then I'm like, let's do TV series. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No. So why would you say revamp? Because you're happy with the movie? You don't. Because I'm talking movie-wise. We're yeah. not talking tv So you series. don't think that... Every
0: book would be better adapted as a TV series. So than you a don't That's think
1: a that a, a new movie would do the book justice?
0: Hmm. I guess it's hard because like... Like holding the film as an entity separate from the book. I really like the film. Yeah, so.
1: You know? Yeah.
0: Uh, so I would enjoy seeing a remake of that. A revamp reboot.
1: Yeah, I'd be really interested in what they did with the magic and stuff. $75 yeah. million for a budget in 1998. Like, that's a big budget. Hmm. Where did it go?
0: I'm telling you, it was in CGI. There was more CGI than your standard rom-com is. You normally has, And it did look alright. Yeah.
1: Jimmy was creepy as a ghost. He was creepy. It was gross. That character, I'm sure that actors, are, I have no idea. He might I actually be.
0: thought the way they handled Jimmy was really good because it could have very easily become very cartoonish and like Silly.
1: No, no, it was scary. It was
0: gross. And it was scary even now. And that says something. It does say
1: something. Yeah. Mm. He and did Nicole, a really
0: good job being a creep. Yeah,
1: and Nicole Kidman did a great job being, like, possessed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. She... Well, I mean, she's a good actress.
1: I love that she has to... There's a scene where she's being... Like, Jimmy has taken over her body. Mm. And she's hugging... And then she likes her. And she licks her. <laughs> so gross. But like real gross. And then she's like, I've got a thing for sisters and I'm oh, like, Oh, that's gross that's Such a creepy gross, one. Gross, bro. Also, what does that mean? Are you asking the sisters to have sex with you? oh gross.
0: I like to like Maddie. It's, it's like gross. a territory marking thing. It's gross. I hate it. I hate the way it feels. But also I really like to like press my mouth while it's closed up Ugh. against Maddie's cheek and then slowly
1: open it. And it feels says- like a butthole is opening up to yeah. eat my face. Like there's a yeah. suction that happens as her mouth opens and it is revolting. It's wonderful. It's revolting.
0: Also, I love eating Maddie's eyebrows, like the little hairy caterpillars. I love
1: eating your eyebrows. Just with my lips, though. Like, like, Mm, just like... like, Anyway, great. Good job. There's a little insight into our relationship. You want to know how to make a relationship last eight years? Eat your partner's eyebrows with your lips. That's the secret. Um, Great. Thank you so much for listening. Chapter one, take two. We're releasing an episode every month. What is our episode next time, Brianna? Oh, you know this. You're
0: reading it today. No, I know I do. I'm just asking if you want to say. Are you making conversation for the podcast? Podcast sake. Yes.
1: Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. So we're doing the graphic novel of Snowpiercer, and then going Sorry. to watch the second
0: graphic novel.
1: Yep, it is. What um, was the first one? Do you remember? Uh, Atomic Blonde. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to watch the film with Chris Evans. I believe it is of all the Chris's. Um, man, if you want your son to be. This is white male movie star, just call him Chris. If you wanted to host a late night TV show, call him Jimmy. Absolutely a thing. If you wanted to be a CEO? I think it's David. David! 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 <laughs> <laughs> um and we're not doing the TV series. Uh, but the so far I'm halfway through the graphic novel. Obviously, it's much quicker to read. It was actually a really good choice before we go away on a trip. Yeah, because uh, we've gotta get this out yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh the pacing of graphic novels is always a bit weird um so i'm really interested to see the film i really uh the premise is super interesting logically i don't know how it makes any sense to use the resources of a train moving to avoid the cold don't know if that makes any sense but okay um uh, but no snow is what we're going to be doing next yeah great great
0: Uh, Um, some other fun reading suggestions if you're wanting to read a book that's not turned into a film I would suggest both The Silence of the Girls and The Women of Troy by Pat Barker the retellings of different parts of the Iliad from the perspective of Briseis, one of the captured sex slaves of Achilles very 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 good Um, and also uh, everyone in this room will someday be dead was a good time
1: yep um, that is a good time. Listen to that. I'm also reading at the moment "Dopamine Nation." It's nonfiction, um, but it is about addiction and our obsession with dopamine. It's um, super interesting. If you're just looking for like a like a psychology book, if you're interested in that at all, like brain function, how it works, behaves, and stuff, I quite dig that stuff. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying. It. I've only read the first chapter, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah, yeah, great, great. cool. Thank. you We'll see you next time. Kakite! Kakite.
0: I know. <laughs> yes.